Welcome to the Uncomfortable Grace Podcast, a place where uncomfortable circumstances become the very conversations that could change your life. We all have some understanding of what it means to have grace for others, but how often do we demonstrate it toward ourselves? It is our hope that this podcast will teach you how to unpack the plot twists and to ask intentional questions that invite deep reflection when life seems chaotic. In the face of great resistance, we want to learn how to soften, surrender, and see where grace can take us because it is so much bigger than a Bible buzzword. Welcome to Uncomfortable Grace. Welcome back to the Uncomfortable Grace Podcast. I am your co-host, Mandy Capehart, and I'm here with the beautiful and lovely Heather Converse. Hi, Heather. Hello, Mandy. Happy How have you be been? <laughs> oh, so good. You know, just, mm-hmm. just full of hope and mm. grateful to be here with you. Like, truly, honestly, I love mm. these conversations. Me too. I feel so similarly because I keep trying to hit reset on my schedule and every week things get away from me. And every Sunday night, as I'm looking at the week ahead on the nights that I know we have a podcast recording coming, I sincerely am like, okay, hit the deck, everybody clear the schedule, clear the house. Mm -hmm. I need some space. I need to prep. I need to sit and just settle down from all of the hustle and bustle. So, um, because I love, you're right. I love that we get to have these conversations and it's fun Mm -hmm. to do this together simply because our lives are so busy. We just don't get to see each other as much as I would like. And so I'm like, this is a great excuse to see my friend. And even my family, like they respect this time. Mm -hmm. Um, they understand the importance of it. Uh, even like tonight, you know, dinner, work, dinner, homework, all the things. And I, I, pulled out my, uh, Chromebook, the things, all the things I use for this podcast. Mm-hmm. And they quietly tiptoed around and began to read. My daughter came and kissed me on the floor. I said, well, taking a bath interrupt mom. And let, let me just set the stage that this, that's not like <laughs> real life, but they're, right. they're so, they've so they've completely understood how much, mm-hmm. um, I love to be a part of this. Hmm. And yeah, I'm, I'm just super excited for this next season. Me too. Well, let's dive into it. I am excited because I found this quote, uh, a while ago, maybe gosh, years. And it came back around this year in perfect timing because the pandemic ongoing as it is, has been so stressful among other things. And this quote resonated so strongly with me when I first found it and I just thought this is perfect for Heather. So I want to read this to you and then see how you respond. So this is a quote from a speech by John W. Gardner. He was the secretary of health, education, and welfare under president Johnson. And he received a medal, a presidential medal of freedom in 1964. Mm-hmm. He said, and this, uh, I believe is, I believe this is a pieces from his speech put together. Someone said, pessimists got that way by financing optimists, but I am not pessimistic and I advise you not to be a tough minded. Optimism is best. The future is not shaped by people who don't really believe in the future. Men and women of vitality have always been prepared to bet their futures, even their lives on ventures of unknown outcome. If they had all looked before they leaped, 
we would still be crouched in caves, sketching animal pictures on that wall. But I did say tough-minded optimism. High hopes that are dashed by the first failure are precisely what we don't need. We have to believe in ourselves, but we mustn't suppose that the path will be easy. It's tough. Life is painful. Rain falls on the just. And Mr. Churchill was not being a pessimist when he said, I have nothing to offer but blood, toil, tears, and sweat. He had a great deal more to offer. But as a good leader, he was saying it wasn't going to be easy. And he was also saying something that all great leaders say constantly, that failure is simply a reason to strengthen resolve. Yeah, what comes to mind there is not many words, um, but a steadfastness Mm. and um, just showing up on the scene. And and I say this, I'm going to add a little bit, bit of a precursor. I have been, I have admitted to myself that I was a Pollyanna. Is that right? Polly? Yeah. Is that right? Pollyanna. Yeah. Yep. And, and then I, even in admitting that there's like kind of a burden or a shame or like a, uh, I feel like a consequence that comes with that, but you know what, this year has really taught me that I need to completely and fully embrace that, what that looks like. I I used to, when I was a kid, when I had that childlike faith and uh, no fear of being examined or scrutinized. And I'm just kind of, um, I'm totally admitting that I am reestablishing those steps and saying, no, I'm coming on board with that with that full on it's not not realistic and it's not like this whimsical optimism it is it is my truth and I might be wrong and I'm open to somebody teaching me and training me but we need we we need to anchor ourselves in something that's hopeful Yeah. Yeah. I completely, I I love to hear that. I'm such a, (laughs) I've tended to be an optimist most of my life, but I would say, like you were kind of saying this last couple of years has brought this reckoning. It has brought such a, such a decision to the table. We have to choose, like, are we going to choose to continue to be, Mm -hmm. it's easy to be optimistic when things are fine, when things are simple. It's much more of a choice to decide I'm going to be optimistic despite I'm going to remain rooted in hope. I'm going to continue looking for possibilities and allow my heart to stay soft regardless of what could come. And I I love this quote so much because that, that concept of tough mindedness is not a hard heart. It's not, you know, fallow ground. It is actually something that you have enriched. You have brought in information. There's clarity coming about this things in front of you. You've gained insight. You have a mind that is willing to be flexible and recognize that if you can't be creative in those moments where everything feels like, okay, rock in a hard place, then your optimism's a little bit meaningless. And it's not even to go even further with that. I think that that is the kind of optimism that recognizes this is really hard. 
like to, I love that he quoted Churchill to say like, this is not a simple task. If you believe that life around you was meant to be easy, I am, I'm so sorry to be the one to break the news, but also like personally delighted to get to be here for breaking ground with you and having a part to play in your waking up that life needs you to be challenged and learning and refreshing your thought process and renewing your mind and the way that you think about problems and conflict in your story. And gosh, if there isn't, if there's anything we've done in the last two years, it is learning who among us is going to approach everything on the table with tough-minded optimism, with a willingness to act on behalf of hope. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite quotes, and it's not a biblical quote, although I, I love, um, I love all, I love all scripture, but, um, (laughs) this one is from, I know I do. It's, it's the mark of an educated mind to be able to entertain a thought without accepting it. Yeah. One of my favorite quotes of all time. Yeah. Um, yeah. It kind of alleviates a lot of the um, pressure to be perfect and to land on one side or the other. I don't know. It's just, it's, it's a tough world out there right now. Yeah, it is. And I think that we've, we've become, I don't know if you've experienced it. I would guess that you have, but I feel like there's been so much black and white thinking where all we need is honoring the nuance and Mm -hmm. recognizing that there's grace in gray spaces and without it, it's just a muddy mess. I, I, that's always been something for me that I find becomes a a linchpin in relationships when people realize, especially you, you could say in Christendom, in the world of faith, it's one thing, Mm -hmm. but for me, it's always been, you know, I studied anthropology and sociology and people essentially in my degree and, and throughout the rest of time since then, that has been my favorite thing is observing people and asking like, what is it that's holding you back? What's making you tick? What's, Mm -hmm. what's lighting you on fire and what isn't, and how are you going to move through the world without just saying, well, you're either with me or you're against me. I'm like, even when Jesus Mm -hmm. said that, I don't think that he meant the, the literal what he meant, Mm -hmm. but, but we're so comfortable interpreting it that way because it's simple and that's the one that just nothing again is simple. Nothing is easy. So mm-hmm. learning how to remain present in the midst of that, especially if we are forward motion people, we have to say, okay, like you, you and I, right. We have to stay even as forward momentum people, people always thinking about the future. If we can remain present, recognize that this is completely uncertain and uncomfortable, and we need a lot of grace to navigate this unknowable, Mm -hmm. not black and white situation. There's so much hope, even in that it's not a, it's not a dire bleak canvas. A perfect example of that is today where I'm being challenged by, um, I'm in, I'm entrenched in a community where people are of the mind of just like growing and building success. Right. Mm -hmm. And there's their idea about success is 
very different than mine. Very different. And I'm outnumbered and I, and I know it, I understand that. Um, but I'm bringing an ear and and a validation to, um, what they're passionate about, maybe a little bit obsessed about, (laughs) and, Mm -hmm. um, it's challenging because I'm trying to lean into, uh, sitting in the midst of something I despise. And I, and I'm, I'm not using that word lightly. Like I truly despise um, propaganda and, and sales and selfish ambition. And Mm. that's me. That's I'm speaking for me, not for you. Um, Right. But I'm learning how to um, fully be myself in the middle of that without like judging it trying to understand and get a yeah. really good. What, what is one thing that in those moments when you're like, cool, this is the complete opposite of what I want to be doing or the attitude mm-hmm. I want to be cultivating. What do you carry mm-hmm. to the table in those moments that preserves your sense of who you are, but also presents your sense of who you are? Because in, when I've been in situations like that, it's mm-hmm. really easy for me to say either one push back and say, no, this, I'm going to challenge that notion or that idea. Um, Mm -hmm. and after enough times at the table being told, be quiet with your challenges, it's really simple to like say, okay, well, I guess I'll just be quiet since what my contribution here is not valid being validated. It's not being honored or, or any, whatever you want to say about it. So what do you, as this optimistic, hopeful person bring to the table that says, well, actually here's who I am in the midst of what you are trying to (laughs) um okay so i i'm i i feel like i was kind of born for this like i'm sort of Mm -hmm. positioned well to not say a word Mm -hmm. and have the attention of the people around that like when they say in a redundant fashion um this is a high level of thinking this and they hear themselves <laughs> and my and my quiet becomes so loud that they start to kind of reassess and then i then i then begin to say but it's i i it's i'm not um negating the fact that you are passionate about something let's let's kind of like whittle it down and figure out where, where your true goals are. And I don't know, it's, it's a really, I don't know. There's, I don't have the formula, Mandy. I don't have the formula. I'm right. Like in the, like the heartbeat of it right now, like it's happening again at a, at a different level than I've ever, I've never had to be challenged this way. Yeah. I mean, people all, I'm business minded. I love it. I love to promote business. I love to get behind um, somebody that's passionate about their belief system and their mindset and their goals. Um, but yeah, this is a little bit, I'm, I'm a little more saturated in that kind of world than I'd like to be, to be honest with you. And sure. I'm just kind of learning myself again, learning who I am and hmm. learning how to navigate it. 
I think it's such a beautiful contrast to what you said earlier about, oh, I've been a little bit of a Pollyanna through life. And we all deal with that as optimistic, hopeful people. It can be so jarring to feel like you're being dragged back down to earth, but really it's such a grounding thing. And it's so necessary. We have to, you know, feet planted firmly, head, head, arms reaching high, head in the cloud. That's a good place to be, to find that. But what do you mean by grounding? I'm asking, like, I'm, I'm just curious. Like, well, yeah, I think that's a great question because I think when, and certainly for me, as I've been growing and like wrestling with the things we fight with and, and try to grow through, I have been very challenged in my own perspectives of, is this just me trying to put a positive spin on something? Is this me saying everything's going to be okay? Am I just trying to wade through this? And certainly all the grief work I've done has significantly contributed to my recognizing, no, I have to remain grounded. I have to remain true to the reality that is going on around me. I don't get to minimize this Mm -hmm. to say that everything's going to be fine Mm -hmm. um, or try and survive this by just dismissing it as meaningless. It's not a, a, a hunt for silver linings. This is a, no, this is a true seemingly unsolvable problem. Mm -hmm. It is, but it's such a, it's holy ground. A friend of mine asked the other day on uh, Twitter, he is a, he's a chaplain in Florida. He's been working really long hours. Um, If we're lucky, I'll get him on the podcast. I'm going to, I'm going to try and see if he'll talk to us. Uh, But he asked the question of what do you think about liminal spaces? And he works in a hospital Mm -hmm. and he had this picture of a hallway, just empty hallway. A liminal space is just the, the way, the hallway, the connecting places between point A and point B, and they're often vacant Mm -hmm. and they can be very long and they can be very uncertain. And my response was immediately that's holy ground. That is Mm -hmm. absolutely sacred space Mm -hmm. to ask Mm -hmm. some questions. You've never had the courage to ask, to look ahead and regain your breath and wait in that space until you see it as an opportunity. I don't frame it that way with grief. I don't think grief is an opportunity. However, in those spaces where there's a big, yeah, no, (laughs) that's a different conversation for a different day. But in those places, in that liminal space, when I'm like sitting here saying, I have no answers, everything is uncertain. I have the choice. I have a decision to make. Can I lament? Do I sit here and just pout? Do I struggle? Do I fight? Do I resist? Or do I soften? Do I surrender? Do I put one foot in front of the other and decide to look ahead? All of it. Yeah. And unmask what I'm afraid of. Unmask the thing that I think is holding me in this tension and in this place. And instead recognize this is actually an incredible moment of reckoning for myself, just in, it's, it's not about externals that for me, that liminal space becomes such an internal opportunity for renewal. And without those things, if we show up where we're headed and we are the same person Mm -hmm. we were when we started, I I don't know. I just asked the question, what are you bringing to the table today that you are still carrying from 10 years ago? And does it still serve you? Is Mm -hmm. it still is it still showing up for you the way it used to? Because like my faith shows up for me completely differently than it does, than it did 10 years ago. And that's a good thing. Like that's hopeful. That's what we want. And 
I just feel like this last those things are resurfacing. Like we don't need to, and we don't need to bear any shame from that. I mean, if they're resurfacing that that's actually also an indication that, um, we just kind of need to circle back around to that conversation. Yeah. That place in our heart. It's not a bad thing. I mean, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Those are great questions to be asking, but for me, like I ask the questions, um, but doesn't mean I do the work that day. Right. Like I ask the question (laughs) and I'm cognizant of it. I'm aware aware of it, Um, but I'm, I'm not going to get to it that day for sure. You know, but I love that you said that because I, if I can't even talk, I'm so like caught off caught with that because you're just calling me out. You're reading my mail. I'm instantly the person that has the thought of, oh, I need to ask a question. And then I want to drop everything I'm doing, even if it's something I've been planning to do for years to wrestle with that thing. And there's at times that can be good, but most of the time setting that and being, I think just observant and honoring that that thought comes along or that moment of, oh, this is a little twinge in my spirit that says I need to take another look at this area or this thought process. You know, and I have to, you said I called you out, but at the same, in the same (laughs) breath, I need to tell you that I love how you see people Hmm. and um, like, I love that you see people and how you see people for who they are. However, um, you have taken a kind of a back seat. Hmm. Like you're just now taking the time to delve into your own heart and it's advantageous because you, I mean, you're, you're coming, you're, you're, you're taking so much ground right now Mm. by just like pausing and not being willing to see everybody around you and adhere to, um, honor and, um, just appropriate all the love and admiration and honor to everyone around you. That's who you are. That's part of your DNA, but you're, uh, you're making an allowance for yourself and you're saying, Nope, I'm doing this. And you've taken so much ground in our community and in the, the book that you wrote and everything. I just wanted to mention that. (laughs) I, I accept. Thank you. I have, I feel the same way. I feel like a different version of me keeps showing up and I'm encountering moments in my life where previously I could point to the same type of situation, not, not the same people, but the same perspective or the same event or, or invitation. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. Invitations are really hard for me to turn down. And no matter what it is, if it's a job, if it's a volunteer position, if it's a date, if it's a, you know, if it's a road trip, uh, if it's a meal, I really, even, (laughs) even conversations, even conversations, I, I get like so excited, you know, me, I'm ready to light a match wherever I go, good or bad (laughs) outcome be damned. I am fire aim ready 90% of the time. Mm -hmm. And what I'm recognizing is, Hmm. There is some aim coming first. There is a question 
that's popping up in my own mind every time of does this invitation lead me closer to who I'm becoming and the target I have set before me, or does it just feel really good because it validates something that I care about or something I think is important, or does it just feel nice to be invited to something? Mm -hmm. I think over the last year and a half for being such two years, however long it's been such an extroverted person, I have become such a quiet observer of people, which is not, I mean, it's so unusual historically for me, but the things I have gained internally by just observing and asking Mm -hmm. questions of, well, what does this add? I, I know these people have value. I don't ever look at a person and say, well, that person wouldn't add value to my life or vice versa. I simply say, what am I, what are, what am I called to? And does it include that person? Does it include that dinner date? Does it include that conversation? Uh, That is a hard thing to do, but historically I've said yes to everything because I think I'm wildly optimistic that all things are going to serve me well and turn out great and be helpful. And the truth is that's not the case ever. And Mm -hmm. it just was a lack of discernment. It was this lack of understanding of, well, what does Mm -hmm. optimism actually look like? Well, it asks really good questions. It's Mm -hmm. willing to be redirected as well. And I think that that's where I have felt so redirected in a in a hopeful way over the last year, I feel redirected in such a good, hopeful way because I am every day questioning, have I made the right decision? (laughs) Is this a good path right now? I could probably quit this path and still recover and everything would be fine. And in the same breath saying, but I was miserable. Everything within me rebelled every day. Mm -hmm. And uh, internally, I was completely out of alignment, mind, body, spirit. And now I'm able to wake up and say, wait a minute, how do I call all of those into alignment and do this work that I've committed to in such a, a new way without trying to muscle in or force anything and to work? That's, I think that's the answer. The question is the answer because you're mm. not, you don't necessarily have to implement you just yeah. have to answer. You just have to ask the question, Mandy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is where people find themselves like they, they lose themselves essentially is they're so hell bent on finding the answer to that question that it's, they end up being, it just ends up being real squirrely and nothing concrete. But the fact that you have, mm-hmm decided to just ask the question every day Mm. and, and then hold the answers loosely while just arriving at this place of, I'm just going to remain teachable. I'm just going to position myself to learn and to observe and to quiet my mind, body, and soul Mm -hmm. and spirit. That is, that's the answer. In my opinion, I'm just, I got to put that out there. In my opinion, that's the answer. <laughs> this isn't a podcast all about our opinions. So we can say, we can come to whatever conclusion we want. I agree with you though. Yeah. It's a conversation. A conversation yeah. isn't, it's just full of opinions. Yeah. A hundred percent. 
You're right. I'm very relational. Also, I feel like I have, I have a, a high, um, I have, you know, interpersonal skills, but, um, my, my intuitive IQ is a little bit up there. Right. Mm-hmm. So I deliberately go into circumstances where people are just sort of miserable. And then I go in there, not polished my not polished self, which, uh, which is really my true self. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, and it's just fun to see. It's, it's just fun to p- see people have having assumed I'm polished and I have it together and I sure. am a, B and C. And then, um, within seconds, you can see like this, just disarming that's happening. Like, I don't have my words together. I don't have my, I don't have it. I'm not scripted right. and somehow it just works. And I think I'm leaning into that more and more every day. Mm. I think that has come from your willingness to embrace the wild, the creative, the side of life that seems super spontaneous and random and playful as hell and fun and lighthearted because that, that is to me, that's where optimism comes from is the creativity of life from the willingness to say, I can see 3000 possible outcomes before me. Every one of them is going to be different. Who cares which one we land on if we're headed in the right direction and we're honoring each other. And you can, obviously that's a whole nother conversation, but I really feel it's like very directional. I feel like, and it, and, and, yeah. and it's far less uh, lofty and on the surface than people even understand. I think recognizing creativity in the possible outcomes in life ahead of you allows you to remain tough-minded, to be clear in your thoughts. It, it allows you to be creative and optimistic and hopeful in a way that brings others alongside you because you're not looking at the stuff that is behind you and said, well, we're not, we're going to leave all of that behind and we're just going to head forward. No, you're actually looking back and saying, we're bringing some of this with us because this is wisdom. This is incredible. What are we, this is foundational. What are we building on? What bricks need replaced and how do we move forward inclusive of what we've learned now? Mm-hmm. And gosh, if, if there's anything that I have gained from the last two years, it's that it's, there's so much, we don't know. It's not a baby in the bathwater situation. No, it's a, how do we, it's so much more than that. It's that so much more than that. Yeah. Just that we're, we're almost <laughs> well, the idea that we have to move forward by bringing it with us because we don't know what we don't know. There's so much that we're learning and this insistence that uh, orthodoxy or the way from once before or black and white thinking, just all of those perspectives, they limit us. They limit our creativity. They put God in a box. They put us on a pedestal and they completely break relationship. And that's just, I don't know. I'm done with all of that. Thanks for listening to the Uncomfortable Grace podcast. Each episode is recorded and produced in Medford, Oregon by Kayleen Brown, featuring music by Mixon. We're so grateful you made time to listen to this episode. And if anything stood out, we would love to hear from you. 
connect with us on social media, and please share this podcast far and wide because everyone needs a little more grace for the middle of their messes. And we've got plenty to go around. Talk to you next time.